severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. We have an absolute belter of an episode in store for you today as we are joined by BAFTA award-winning documentary filmmaker Hannah Curry. And I've wanted Hannah on this podcast for ages, so I'm really, really excited to finally get her on last month and record this episode. We had a great conversation. I first met Hannah on the set of a documentary I was working as a runner on, and uh, she was making her own documentary about somebody that was in our documentary. It was this weird meta thing. It was quite funny. But I got the chance to speak to Hannah on that, and ever since then, I'd really wanted to get her on the podcast. I'd I'm a big fan of some of our films, so it was great to finally have her on. And we had a really, really interesting conversation, which I can't wait for you to hear. But before I get into today's conversation, I just wanted to also acknowledge that it's obviously Burns Day today. Um, And last year on the podcast, when I was just sort of starting this and we were maybe like 10 episodes in, I used to do poems. And we soon learned that no one needs to hear that. So don't you worry at all. I'm not going to be attempting a Burns poem today. I just wanted to wish everyone who listens to the podcast a very, very happy Burns Day. I also just wanted to say that if you are a new listener, or you've just recently started listening to the podcast this is of course our 64th episode so we have a massive back catalogue of amazing conversations with some really really talented creatives from across the industry in various different roles so be sure to go back and check out some of our earlier conversations if you haven't heard them all yet also if you're enjoying this podcast we are an independent podcast so word of mouth is our greatest tool in helping to grow so if you listen to today's episode and you really enjoy it send it to a friend that you think might like it or tell somebody else to listen it really does help us find new listeners and it's always good to get new listeners and to grow the podcast so thank you for that I know a lot of you have been really kind online and sharing the podcast and sending nice messages. It always means a lot when people do that. So we really, really appreciate the support of our listener base. It means the world to us. We also, as as I say every week, we also have a Patreon page as well. And that basically just goes back into the upkeep of the podcast. All all the money we make is just effectively maintaining the podcast and and keeping it running smoothly or as smoothly as it can be. And speaking about the Patreon, um, it's coming up for a year since we launched our Patreon page. Next week, we're going to be donating 10% of all our Patreon earnings uh, to a charity and we'll talk about that a bit more in next week's episode we'll reveal what charity is and and what we're doing for that so i look forward to that and thank you to everyone that's donated it's your generosity is very very much appreciated but without much further ado it's time for this week's brilliant conversation with documentary filmmaker hannah curry hi hannah how you doing thank you for coming on this podcast on friday night very much appreciated Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited and nervous. Oh, don't be nervous at all. I was just saying to you before we started recording, like we haven't had a documentary filmmaker on this podcast, so I'm very excited to have you on. Good. I hope I live up to your expectations of documentary filmmakers. <laughs> no, you, de- you definitely will. Like a little, yeah, I feel like that's where the future lies documentary filmmakers on podcasts yeah there you go I mean they sort of have some overlap I guess depending on what the podcast is about but obviously you've just brought a new documentary on BC Scotland talent which we'll get into but you'd had quite an interesting career as well so there's lots to talk about but we'd like to start the podcast by sort of asking our guests like what their earliest creative memories were so if you can cast your mind back a bit do you remember when you're younger like what you wanted to do creatively 
and how did you sort of get there from that point? I was always dead interested in stories and I, I used to be like obsessed with reading everything, like read every magazine and things that were like way too old for me and like always sneaking books and stuff and just like really being intrigued by things and I definitely remember creating my own magazine I used to write actually like I used to read my grand's magazines like to take a break and stuff like that <laughs> and I used to write into them like posing as an old woman like writing like little like tips and tricks like for just to earn money from the magazine so I was always quite like crafty and you know like really wanted to be published and, and would find these ways of, of doing it even though albeit quite strange ways I used to write into her magazines and like under like all these alias and get published and then yeah I would like write my own magazine where I would like have like you know the fashion pages which I would draw and write and then the agony and pages <laughs> where I would like write the letter to and and from the agony and like just and would like distribute that around everybody and like you know think at the time that they were like taking great pleasure in reading it but probably weren't but I think I love that feeling of like you know sharing something and people enjoying it and definitely always wanted to to do something like that but kind of somehow along the way got kind of waylaid into thinking that that wasn't something that I could do and kind of didn't know that there were sort of courses and things at uni that you could do or college or whatever so I feel like I was kind of encouraged maybe not by my parents they were always like super supportive but I kind of I went and did history at uni by the way I'm like a way off on a tangent I've just no 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 at all keep going but yeah I ended up obviously doing like you know I went and did like English literature and sociology and history and like quite you know dry um, information heavy subjects and I have no idea why because I had like no desire to be a teacher or anything like that but I just really didn't know what to do and, and I think I've been kind of talked out of by at that point I, th- I thought I wanted to be a journalist but I did do a wee bit of kind of like freelance journalism when I first left school and at uni yeah I thought that that was going to be a career but I never found that writing like came very naturally to me and then the crash happened and there weren't like a lot of like jobs when the crash happened <laughs> <It's>, like, <laughs> This pure historical stuff like <laughs> the crash of 2008 and there wasn't like really a lot of like you know jobs in journalism here like it would have been a move to London and yeah I don't think my writing was maybe strong enough for you know the kind of established newspapers I would have liked to have written for. What would they have included the established newspaper? I really wanted I really wanted to write for the Guardian because I used to yeah. I read the Guardian I thought the Guardian was just like the most like erudite like like the, <laughs> the creme de la creme like for like me I was like oh that's where the class is but you know I, I I would never have I wasn't that like gifted a writer you know but I, I was always definitely very interested in that and I think it's helped like and you know I eventually found my way I found my way into kind of the tv industry not the conventional way but and then kind of went back to uni to train in documentary so yeah and, and we'll sort of go into that in a little bit more depth soon but like that but what's interesting about this podcast is great because everyone that comes on has like a totally different path so there isn't really a conventional way and that's this this industry doesn't have a conventional way and usually anyway so that's always the interesting to unpack but to sort of wind back slightly another another question that sort of ties into our first one is about how where you're from has had an influence on you and how that sort of influenced how your career's panned out and like you itself as a creative but obviously you grew up in Glasgow right is that correct no no I didn't I grew up in Cobarkin which is in Renfrewshire okay well so I'm glad I, I like, asked what, that's what? fine yeah no. <laughs> got that wrong in my <laughs> no that's okay like I think I always say from Glasgow but that's more because I've just lived here for, for like quite a long time and I did go to school in Glasgow so I would just say that for ease but I, I don't actually feel like I'm really from anywhere so I was born in Paisley grew up in Renfrewshire but then my, my folks moved to like the borders because my dad like sort of changed career 
and yeah like so I never really and like his side of the family are all from Motherwell and I like think of them really fondly so I would definitely like you know probably align myself with like Motherwell and Lanarkshire but I don't really feel like I'm from anywhere which is actually more and more as I've got older like I've realized kind of does have have, have an impact because I think it's like quite important to be like tied to, mm. to a place I don't really have that but so where I'm from geographically like hasn't massively had an influence on the work yeah so I don't think yeah I don't think geographically but I think like where I'm from in terms of my family and like how supportive they were of me to kind of follow this career which has been like very up and down over the years you know like it can be a real like famine or a feast and you know I was originally working in commercial production and making a decent at STV actually and making a (laughs) decent living out of that and then I went freelance and made an even more decent living out of that except sort of failed to understand how tax works and realized like I wasn't as rich as I thought I was (laughs) yeah so I was a commercial producer but then when I when I sort of decided to go into documentary like you know it's been a rocky road you have to learn how to do it first and then you know kind of try to find my way in and work my way up to directing for tv which is what I you know really wanted to do and but I didn't because I didn't kind of have the conventional route I didn't have a lot of credits under my belt and you know I think that was kind of mm. regarded as fiction and so so you're you're kind of constantly having to work and learn and sort of prove yourself and take knockbacks and sort of learn from them but yeah it's not that's it been a rocky road so like where I'm from in terms of having a really supportive family that has allowed me to sort of take that route where I'm finally now just starting to be able to justify yeah. it Career and there has been points where I've been like, can I justify still doing this because it's it's tough, you know? But and also just like I think also being from Scotland, like I think um obviously I'd like to think quite principled and left leaning and kind of sensitive and friendly and I think all of those things kind of mm. like and I have a sense of humor and I think all of those things play into my work a lot, you know. And yeah, I was very much raised on kind of Scottish humor and I kind of I love it and it I warm to it and I like to kind of you know it's really nice when you see it in real life and you get to yeah. kind of like show other people that because how many times are you like walking around and you see something and you're like oh I should have the camera to like share that or even just like a funny member of your family that you just wish you could share with world which you kind of did do with obviously with one of your dogs which we'll talk about soon yeah yeah oh god that was tough (laughs) but I think (laughs) things like that though just things you notice that you think oh like it would you know film is such a is such a natural way to do that because really all you have to do is capture it and then you make it watchable I mean it's tough (laughs) to do that with real life as well but um it's really nice when you manage it you know and you get to share something that wouldn't have been captured that you know is not only like a memory for those contributors but it's sort of something that can maybe inspire other people or make them think twice about something or just like give them a little slice of life that might yeah make them think about other people what an amazing thing to be able to do yeah Um, absolutely and I think that the Scott that thing you're talking about that Scottishness in your work definitely comes through in all the documentaries of yours that I've seen and so does that sort of humor as well and like what in the stuff you're talking about like I think that really is a good way of describing what the sort of things you've been making are I'm not very well articulate what I was saying there but I, I hopefully you get what I meant thank you very much that's a nice thing to say and sort of on that Scottishness bit where we're at it as well another I love asking this question because I just love hearing all these different words because we have people on the podcast from all over the world and stuff but do you have like a favorite word or phrase from Scotland that you love saying or you'd heard other people say that you just really like oh my gosh oh this is where I wish I'd prepared <laughs> I love dogs like I've got I've obviously fostered greyhounds like for a, a charity and that has been my total lockdown saviour this is um, mm. Baz is over there can you see him? oh amazing yeah yeah um, <laughs> oh. yeah Doug would be mine <laughs> that was a good one 
God, I'm shit with stuff like that. Though, like words always go right out of my head. So well, that's a good. Do you have, have you ever like tried to explain to an English person before, like what clapping a dog means? You know, and like pat, like how we call it in Scotland, clap, and they just don't get that. No, I haven't tried, but I can imagine that would be frustrating. Yeah, they just don't I get it. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't get it at all. I'm trying to think of what, like, because I was just down in London at the weekend, and like so many of my friends there will like, I'll see something, they'll all be like, "Oh my god!" You know, they'll like say the word as if like it's like the best thing ever just because it's kind of yeah, spotted yeah, yeah. Just like I and they're like oh my god I <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like they add like so much delight to the to just like everyday words but I mean my gran hits out with phrases that are just completely made up I love repeating those she's like says lovely biscuits is like her sort of like <laughs> something that's great and I, I, I love that and she said to me like over the documentary she phoned me and she was like oh I'm, I'm fair chuffed at my heat and I was like <laughs> it's not even a saying but it's so kind of joyful in Scottish yeah and I love little phrases as well that come obviously like me and my brother when we were editing the documentary we were just because we were like with it all the time we would just be like repeating little phrases from it to each other and I like hearing other people like doing that as well and it was funny because in the documentary like Davey shouted to like one of his bandmates like oh it's your cell and then like we ended up having Gradio in the documentary and I got him to, to shout it to Sonia's dog just so that I would have that like little kind of recognition and, and I, I remember like Gradio kind of became famous like through the documentary on ICW it's ICW, isn't it? Yeah, and seen championship wrestling. Do you know who that is? Maybe no, like... don't worry, but it's all good. <laughs> Go fail, it's yourself! That's hilarious, he's a wrestler. He's also, he's in, he's an actor. Now he's in, like, River City and Two Doors Down. Okay. And... Oh, yeah, 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 dude. I, I did watch, yeah, I watched that Scott clip Scott as well. Scott he's Scott in Scott Scott. Squad. I just didn't know him. I don't know the name, but, like, I absolutely know who you're talking about, yeah. Scott That's Scott. Scary. did the radio show with David the other day. I didn't watch yeah, that. and he, he originally was a wrestler, and then this, like, documentary filmmaker called Adrian made that doc, and Grado kind of like that was his like wrestling phrase, like it's yourself. And then it just like went like <laughs> massive in Scotland, and everybody was like shouting at each other, and it just like skyrocketed his career. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's so cool to like have him in my documentary. And I was like, it'd be so cool if, you know, like somebody in the doc, like, you know, got like a great opportunity from it. But I'm still waiting for that to happen. It's not happened yet. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, there's still time. There's still yeah. Time. Well, well, the sort of like, sort of go on to like how you sort of ended up first getting into to being a documentary filmmaker and like I know that was a sort of as you were saying an unconventional path and you were studying various stuff but like you were saying that as well that you sort of were doing a bit of production stuff as well so was that before you went off and did your master's in London or was that did that sort of gradually sort of all fall into place? Yeah that was before the production stuff was like so I, I went to uni like dead history but and and my first job after uni was like a marketing job at a music venue and mm. then I applied for like a role at a wee production company in Edinburgh but they were making more like commercials and corporates and stuff and totally got it like I had no experience whatsoever but I just really got on with the woman that was running the company it's quite crazy and then through that eventually got into STV to do again commercial production work so that was all like in my 20s and and I was making commercials but I loved obviously documentaries and mm. I kind of was would be disappointed and you know I suppose with being a you know you're a creative producer you have some input but you still you know maybe I would be like oh I would love to make those decisions you know myself or I would love to have a say in that or um and I did get the opportunity to direct some like kind of short documentary content there and that was yeah I kind of got the bug for it and and I found when I left commercial production and I tried to get into tv documentary the kind of conventional route I sort of hit a lot of walls because 
I didn't have a lot of credits like on my CV for TV programmes. I'd just done commercial production and I think people kind of couldn't see how that translated onto television. So I decided to go back to uni in my late 20s and learn documentary directing. And I was very much advised against doing that by all of the employers at the time who were sort of saying, no, just kind of stay here and learning the job. So I was kind of working as a researcher in TV land. And then nobody really wanted to give me that opportunity to kind of step up to AP or... Yeah. God forbid, director. So, so I'm glad that I actually took that took that route. But you know, that's not to say that's for everybody. But yeah, it took it. It, it sort of fast tracked it for me getting to make my own stuff by just sort of skilling up and learning how to do it myself, learning as much as I could as, as I went along. But again, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity. But the masters of, as well, it worked out brilliantly for you because you obviously you got a distinction, and then and then you're like one of your shorts that you made there, right? Then went on to be developed by the BBC and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So as I say, like that gave me. It just gave me the confidence and it taught me how to use a camera. And, you know, you're in that sort of, you're, you, it's quite intensive. Like you're in a, a group of like 10, you know, students who are all like really trying to to make good films and, and they're being critical of your work and they're offering feedback, but it's a kind of safe space. So for me, it was an amazing opportunity and an amazing thing to do because it just kind of like led me on that path to like, oh, I can actually do this. And I went out there with the camera and I was terrified, but I was also like, well, you're making it for uni, you know, and mm. you're not going to fuck anything up massively like if this doesn't work it's just your uni you know course it's not like and that just gave me that space to, to learn and then yeah obviously the story that I followed was in- incredibly powerful because you know it was really relevant at the time in Glasgow and Scotland addressing young male suicide and I think at the time eh, the BBC really wanted to you know platform more content like that to reach young audiences kind of thing so it was just kind of the right time and the right place. Yeah, and and like the mental health stuff you're obviously talking about there as well. You've remained quite a big activist of all that stuff, haven't you? Like you you've always sort of championed mental health in your, all your work, I'd say. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think you know every filmmaker maybe brings their own kind of like thing to to films, and and that's definitely. You know, the first time that I saw documentaries that that maybe reflected some of what I'd experienced was at the Mental Health Film Film Festival. And that's like always a powerful moment when you maybe see something for the first time that makes you understand more about something or, you know, when you kind of, you know, that's the really powerful thing about film. You know, you might you might think that you're alone in something or you might think that, that you know, you're somehow different and then you see something relatable in film and you realise that really as human beings we're all the same, you know, to varying degrees we're, we're all very similar yeah I, I think like I've definitely I've ended up working with Mental Health Foundation and making films for the festival and, and I still think that film is a really powerful way to kind of raise awareness yeah it's always it's just something that I know about and I think it's something increasingly that you know more people are experiencing so it's kind of and I, I think it's a good way to tackle it through film yeah 100 percent. we always try and have like quite open and honest conversations about men i have on this podcast with certain depending on the guest obviously but like that's something we do try to do a lot and obviously i actually haven't seen that film yet because it's not on ipad at the moment so i've seen your, a lot of your other work but i really want to see the first one that is the first proper documentary you made wasn't it like yeah a full length one yeah it was yeah like yeah that length for sure so before that like I had when I kind of became a freelance commercial producer and I was like making a lot of money as I said earlier because it's, it's really good rates and commercial I saved up and I went to New York like the I stayed on the couch of like my my friend's brother and did this short course in New York and I made like a really short film there about a drag queen living in Brooklyn at the time and that was the first thing I'd actually shot and edited myself and that so that's technically my first ever documentary but 
it's you know, obviously deeply flawed and, and short and but you know at the time it actually it was great it was such a, a great experience and I'm still proud of it and um, and yeah but the, the first kind of film I'd made for for tv or for any kind of yeah like public platform was that one and yeah I can I can send you a link I'd uh, love to yeah uh, Too Young to Die is called isn't it yeah just and I, I think yeah, there, yeah, yeah. a lot of your stuff is always on BBC iPlayer like at different points so I'm sure like the listeners can all go and watch your work we'll plug yeah. it for it we'll plug it for it obviously um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I also I also wanted to talk to you about that, that joke isn't funny anymore which I think I told you when I'd met you on set that I'd, I'd seen and, and really like which mm-hmm. is an incredible film and I'm just like you talk about it. I wouldn't try and, and not do it justice but I just I just thought it'd be interesting if you could sort of explain what that was about and how because that must have been quite a, a an interesting film to make because it was obviously about your uncle and stuff as well so it's even more personal than than normal yeah definitely so I made that film with the Scottish Documentary Institute as part of their Bridge in the Gap film I'd actually initially I started filming with them when I went to uni in London to, to study documentary directing, that was kind of the film that I applied to uni with and I planned to make. And then the news about Lumo broke and, and all yeah. of the activity around that happened. And I changed track because it just felt like the right, I was totally like obsessed with this like story and just like and telling that story. So I shelved one about Matt and Uncle, and I think I shelved it at the time because I was like, hmm, this is kind of hard, actually. Like, I'm, this is kind of, you know, I, I tried to do it for, like, my midterm project, and I was, like, tortured by it, you know, and, and I was yeah. also tortured by, like, the criticism around it because it was so personal or, like, maybe people's comments because, you know, they're talking about characters in the film, and that's something you have to get kind of used to as a documentary filmmaker is that, you know, often when you are making for you know, an executive, they are thinking about it in terms of an audience and they'll they'll talk about it as much, whereas, you know, if you're, like, quite close to your contributors or, you know, very aware of the sensitivities around your story, like, that can be quite difficult because they're human beings and, and, but, you know, at the end of the day, you are making it, it is a job, you know? Yeah. Do you you find it quite hard to separate yourself from the subject of a documentary? Do you find that quite hard if, like, you know, that, because that must be really difficult because there's obviously a lot of ethics around it as well and, like, you don't want to misrepresent someone, so that must be quite difficult. Yeah, I find that really hard and my mum literally says to me all the time, like, you need to get a handle on this, Hannah, or (laughs) you can't do this job because I really find it difficult to have that layer of separation and not, you know, feel, like, a great deal of responsibility to Mm. kind of you know everybody that I film and I think that's a good thing and I think it's important um to have that but it also you know it can it can occasionally sort of tip the balance into like you know kind of overtaking my thought process and causing me stress and you know like like causing me worry about it which isn't a good thing but I think that's just sort of part of who I am and it's it's just difficult for me but I think the more that I do it um and the more that I know and the more that I learn and the more that I become confident in my sort of you know, knowing myself as a filmmaker, knowing my intentions and really being confident in that and with, instead of sort of being kind of apologetic or kind of like, you know, yeah. oh, like I'm, you know, I'm oh, sorry, I don't know if I'm quite... It's like, you know, you, you get more confident and then you kind of, you can articulate that better, your intentions and, and that you know, and I, I just think that for as long as you sort of have any sort of self-doubt and your abilities you're always going to worry that you're not not going to do somebody justice or represent them well and when you're filming with your family that is like <laughs> multiplied by thousands because I've said it before like the story between my aunt and uncle is, is a like really complex one and could probably 
you, you know, fill an hour in itself because from, you know, the cause of the kind of brain injury, which was, you know, more complex than just a, an aneurysm, it was like a whole, there's a whole story behind that to sort of like some of the, the issues, I suppose, that my aunt and uncle face that aren't just to do with his memory loss, you know, or sort of to do yeah. with drinking and, you know, and, and other maladaptive behaviours that he has that are sort of both like a cause and effect of the injury, but sort of exacerbate the whole situation. And I filmed all this stuff and it was just like a really torturous process when I had to like you know my remit for that particularly funded project was to cut a short film around you know the sort of 15 minute mark maybe and I was like tortured about like what goes in what goes out like every which way I tried to do it just seemed mm. like disingenuous to me so eventually just went kind of really like light touch on it and worked with a second editor in the end who brought a lot to it and sort of brought a lot of perspective to it because I I was so sort of in it that I couldn't see the wood for the trees and then yeah like thank amazingly like managed to turn it around and people got it and it's quite a subtle film like there's not you know they don't say much but they're they're amazing people and and I think people kind of understand that there's more to the story than they see on screen but it doesn't sort of you know force that down you know there's there's some things I don't have to maybe say on on film because it's kind of yeah it's difficult you know yeah but like as you were sort of saying earlier like I think it's like obviously a darker in some ways difficult subject matter but like you brought quite a lot of humor to that film as well it's like quite uplifting so I think that's nice that's cool yeah no definitely I think humor is definitely important to me like it's how I kind of you know at, at all moments like you have to have humor or or yeah you're in trouble I think and and it's definitely how my family cope with things and I think you know if you're going to take an audience on a journey you need to kind of you need to give them some like moments of heart and a reason and some hope really like it's yeah. like otherwise you know and that's not to say that I don't credit documentaries that are like relentlessly sad and serious because unfortunately in the world that we live in like you know this is just becoming increasingly like what we consume because it's so grim but I do think we need like moments of sort of lights in the darkness otherwise it's yeah. it's hard to sort of convince people that something can be done you know whether that is like yeah. raising awareness or if it's like in your own making small changes in your own life just like coming away from it and thinking like yeah like we're not totally fucked <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah <definitely. laughs> But on that sort of note about raising hope and and raising awareness and stuff, I actually want really wanted to also ask you on this before we talk about talent. This when I actually came across you for the first time and followed you on Twitter was was from your blog about when women direct, which I read, which was really interesting, all about like you know women in the, the film industry. And obviously, I, I remember you speaking about this when I met you on the set of The Last Spin when you're making your other documentary as well. But like, do you want to also talk about that because I think that's a really important thing to talk about in this podcast. And we have a lot of female guests on in this industry, and it is a lot harder for them in some ways to break in and like you know there isn't enough still isn't enough being done and it's, it's getting better but it's not there yet so do you want to talk about that blog because I think it's a really interesting subject yeah yeah definitely I was invited to write that blog and I was like you know thankfully I had some downtime it was kind of you know during one of the many lockdowns I'm sure and um, I was super glad you know I think I just it was about like a red rag to a bull I was just like I think they were expecting just like a few paragraphs and I was like a total warrior but you know when I, I was encouraged to have conversations you know with the head of the campaign to kind of get 50% of documentaries directed by women in Scotland by 2025 mm. because the starting point was 16% which is obviously really so, low and then when I spoke to, to, to her it was it was so insightful and then I spoke to other you know I knew my own experience but I spoke to other women filmmakers who were from completely different backgrounds and you know like a lot of people saying the same thing and and you know there is a self-perpetuating male thing going on in the film industry whereby you know like 
in often cases, men are the most reliable person for you to hire because they've had all of the opportunities and all of the training and women don't yeah. kind of get a look in. So it's like they don't even, you know, they're not they're not the go-to person because, you know, if you have men in these high roles that are sort of like hiring other men and they're like, oh, but the women don't really, they're not really skilled up as DPs yet. Say like, oh, there's not enough skilled yeah. up women DPs. And it's like, well, let's skill some up then, you know, like let's <laughs> use them more, let's yeah. bring them on as trainees. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of excuses that even when I wrote that blog of course like you start getting like tweets and it's like oh like you know if women wanted if women wanted to make films like they would make them like it's just it's like do you honestly think <laughs> that like you know more than 50% of the population don't want to have these opportunities and aren't like crying out for them whoever you ask and it's funny because when I worked at SDV you know I'll even admit like I used to not I used to always hire male DPs because they were like the kind of the safe pair of hands and you didn't have you know you'd kind of look at the cv and you'd be like oh that that woman doesn't have as much experience as as this guy oh it's like I don't want to I'm the producer I don't want to take the risk I'm going to go with a guy with more experience yeah. but but then that kind of makes you understand why producers feel that they're in that position but it also yeah. just perpetuates the whole thing so that's also why you know and I always always work with male directors but what we're seeing now you know that now that schemes are in place that give women or people identified as women more opportunities is like this like whole other amazing body of work coming through that wasn't there before and just some incredible kind of like partnerships and parents and um you know actually oscar qualifying films that are going through yeah. like made, made by women that, that were that wouldn't be there if that, that wasn't in place so like you know you would you would have to then go back to the people saying like oh women just don't want to it's like no they they really do they're crying out for it it's like you need to understand how discrimination works no, 100%. And thank you for talking about that as well. Because as I say, I think it's important to just keep this conversation going, obviously, you know, and it is, I think it is definitely getting better from working in the industry for two years. I've definitely seen more and more, like when I've been on sets, there's more and more females in like higher up road, but it's obviously not still not there yet. But I think it's good, especially in Scotland, I think there's a massive improvement from what I've seen anyway. Obviously, I'm yeah, very limited. Yeah. It is improving. It is improving. And that's like really encouraging to see and long may it continue. Like I think it's actually something that you have to constantly keep on top of and not shut up about because, you know, like you all always see the if you relax you kind of see the erosion of rights happen where people kind of think yeah oh we've kind of done a tokenistic thing now like we made a series and we had an all-women crew look at us and then they're like <laughs> now we're just going to go back to hiring all those men again you know and like we've done that though and we you know like I've, I've been invited to be I've not named names but you know I've been invited to to direct you know one of these things and, and then the budget is just like so low that it's almost like it's just a tick kind of box like, exercise. You're not, really giving, you're not really giving people an opportunity because the budgets aren't the same as what, you know, yeah. a, an example was used that was made by a male and I know what the budget was on it. So it's like, you're not actually giving women a fair chance here. So yeah, it does obviously <laughs> rankle me a little bit. And um, yeah, I think, you know, like raising awareness, you just have to keep, it, it just, it's the same across the board and, and you know, discrimination or inequality in, in any area of life is not okay and should be sort of constantly, you know, talked about. 100%. 100%. Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys 
that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But I'm going to also talk to you now about Talent, obviously, which is your newest documentary, which has just recently come out. And I also have to thank you as well for giving me my TV debut for a whole, a whole two seconds of uh, screen time. Yeah. <laughs> two seconds is more than some people call it. Like when, I doing, when I was doing the studio film and like I always wanted these like little vignettes in the film that, that sort of showcased like the real range of talent mm. that Sonia had at her agency. You know, maybe stories that I wanted to explore that I couldn't. So I would just give them like maybe. So we invited a bunch of people in, but then I kind of panicked that we wouldn't have enough and we invited too many. And then yeah. I had to cut some. I had to cut some because you made it in. I'm and honored, I felt like thank you. I was like worried about bumping into these people in case they were like, you cut my reel and I came in for you. But yeah, yeah, it was a fun documentary to make. Like it was, a, it was much more upbeat than my kind of usual. Yeah, it was, oh, it was really good. And But I'll let you explain to like the listeners what the documentary is about and, and like the sort of essence of it as well. The documentary <laughs> is about a sort of off-the-wall, unconventional talent agency in Scotland that has over 5,000 people on its books and they're mainly providing film and TV extras to the many productions that are kind of coming to Scotland now from Hollywood and elsewhere. But, the, you know, everybody obviously on the books has aspirations to, you know, maybe go further than, than just extra work or they're there because they're you know they're escaping maybe something in real life um, or building towards something you know the kind of person that they want to be so I have always been fascinated with this world like as I say I used to be a commercial producer and I used to actually uh, phone Sonia up to get cast for the commercials (laughs) and I used to just think she was really funny you know like out there yeah such a character such a character big character like and yeah and then again when people would show up from castings um you know from all walks of life I would be very fascinated about what what brought them there because you know it's it's you you know you're not the star there's not a lot of money it can be quite a slog to do that kind of work and and yeah people were 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 from everywhere so I always thought that would be a kind of a good basis for a documentary to sort of explore human stories when I did kind of learn how to use a camera I went and shot some taster footage with Sonia and thought it was really funny and showed it to the production company who agreed and and then the pandemic hit so (laughs) eventually we got there 
just the sort of things we're picking up again for Sony's business and for the film industry and yeah managed to make something that's really kind of joyful and hopeful and, and just sort of about kind of following your dreams and, and going for it and it's obviously like four very different or five very different characters and why they do that that work yeah no it is it's a really joyful documentary and like absolutely does capture that sort of like thing that I think most creatives that will be listening to this and myself can all relate to is like you know you just want to follow your dreams but it's not always easy it's hard and obviously I, I was lucky enough to meet Davey when he was working on the documentary which I was working on which you were filming it was a weird day because it was like a meta thing where it was like a documentary within a documentary or whatever yeah what what a character he is he's like he's such a nice guy and it was really nice to just watch more of his story because I'd, I'd spoke to him for like you know like a bit on set and I knew a bit about him but it was great to see him in other places and I was like particularly for, like that one you know it's quite an emotional story at times actually with his grands and stuff like I was really like oh you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah oh, he's incredible I actually met him like before the casting process like after the 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 we were just because I know Sonia and I have her on Facebook um, and I was doing this lockdown show like just a, a kind of online show a dating show called Zoom to Groom with this guy that was kind of doing these Saturday night shows and Sonia had shared the call out for people to be on it and Davey ended up on the show and people loved him like he was so popular on it and so funny heart on his sleeve and then so when it came to casting for the documentary like like he was one of the people that applied for it and I was like I'm definitely going to speak to him because he was he was great <laughs> and then I found out he'd had this really difficult lockdown and then yeah I was just really really keen for him to to be involved oh yeah the documentary thing was weird that was I was jealous of your documentary though because you guys had like about 20 strong crew <laughs> and I had like me <laughs> me and Lewis but yeah no all of the characters like we we did cast really extensively because Sonia's got loads of people in her books and I kind of roughly knew you know I wanted a family I wanted people that that obviously had something to follow or or that had you know something to say and yeah I'm really happy with where we landed actually I think there's more I think there's more in it it was very good. Do you think you would like to do more of it, extend it, make it into like a series or something? Or is would that be quite like where you would like to take it? Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's so nice if you kind of get something like that where you, you can kind of just keep, like I could have just kept filming, you know, like there was, and there were things that were happening after I stopped filming that I, I was wishing that I could film. So yeah, it doesn't feel like it, it feels like it would all flow really naturally. And you would kind of have the freedom to follow a few different stories and just sort of over a long period of time and see where they land. So I would love to, to do a series of that, but we need to we need to see how yeah. it goes down. Well, fingers crossed. And I honestly can't recommend people going enough away and watching it enough. Obviously, we'll link all this in the show notes of the podcast. And uh, you get to see me as well for a whole two seconds wearing a t-shirt I never, never would normally wear out. I was just wearing it to work. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, oh God, that's so bad. Anyway, it's very good documentary. So the director of the documentary actually has a little brass sticker on his polo shirt. If you look closely enough, that one of the <laughs> one of the actors like put on and then after he was like oh my god oh, yeah, David. Yeah, so, yeah. Small, you can't see it. so um there's a little like egg for you so it could be worse you could have a brass <laughs> yeah very much so i know we've been speaking for like 50 minutes so i'll start to slowly wrap things i've got a few like more questions i actually just wanted to quickly ask a question because you mentioned that you you and your brother edit this your work so is that like do you collaborate with him on all your documentaries um pretty much all of them yeah he didn't actually do that joke isn't funny anymore because he wasn't available at the okay. time and i think it, it can occasionally probably be a good thing to work with different editors because they bring different things to the table but working with my brother on the tv stuff is is it just works really well and i can basically make and work really long hours <laughs> exploitative <laughs> without you know yeah. <laughs> but no I think well like one thing I will say is like you know certainly with documentary like it can be you know like one day you can just be like firing on all cylinders and then the next day it can be really kind of like slow and clunky so I do like the flexibility of kind of like 
you know, I know I could just, we could just like sort of like, right, let's call it a day today and go a walk and think about this and then, then pull like a really long shift the next day. Like I love that I have that flexibility. And I like, he's just got the same sense of humour as me. And I think like if we generally both find something's working, then other people tend to. So yeah, I mean, he did, he did that one. He did Not Your Average Influences, which was before it. And he did Lumo as well. So yeah, hopefully he'll um, continue to do the next ones. No, that's really nice that's really nice uh, maybe yeah. add add something even more personal I guess to your work yeah well I've got yeah. some quick I've got some sort of quick fiery questions for you before I ask my sort of last two big ones and that so basically awesome. the first one is like so if you could make a documentary about someone from history like is there someone you would love to be able to make a documentary oh god I don't know because I think like my I don't I don't have any like great aspirations to like you know make the documentary about this definitive person because for me like my docs are quite personal personal and quite yeah. you know like I really want to um and in that way they're they're probably they're quite real like your documentaries like of kind of yeah, almost yeah. normality almost so while I think I can still you know obviously with over a long you know period of time getting to know people form relationships I think it's, it's important to have to have that that time so like I, I'm never going to be somebody that's going to like make something a bit of a big star and just kind of like you know like yeah yeah grab all these sources and not have that kind of feeling of like really getting to know the people who knew them or or them themselves I always you know I I, I was a huge fan of Frightened Rabbit and like was so mm. gutted when yeah. Scott took his life and I always you know feel that that that's a film that I want to see and I always felt like I would love to be a part of making that but at the same time I have a feeling that it would be kind of as difficult as that joke isn't funny anymore in a way because it's somebody that's so you know not just so important to sort of my kind of experience of music like and and really like like it's so cool to have them be from Scotland because they're just fucking amazing like that I, I think you know maybe it's again something too close and knowing people that know Scott, I think maybe it is. It could be too close, but I do think that it needs to be made authentically, like if it, if it ever is made. Definitely. Um, that would be something I would love to work on, but I, I also, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good answer. It was a good answer. Um, thank you for that. I mean, another question is, like, do you have a favourite documentary that you love that's really inspired your work? You can give a couple. You, know you don't I, have to just say one, obviously. That's a really tough question. No, I really love mockumentaries. Like, I love, like... <laughs> I love Best in Show and like all of the kind of ones that were in that that season. I don't know if you've ever seen Best in Show, but it's I've really never seen funny. that one. No, a mockumentary about like a dog show and they're all oh, nice. yeah and all the dogs and their owners and the sort of same series was like a, I can't remember something about wind instruments where they're all like in a in a band but stuff that uses humor where like I, I think like stuff that kind of you're almost like oh my god like is this real like is this because like life is stranger than fiction I think a lot of the time and I love when you yeah. kind of capture moments where you almost think like I couldn't have made this up you know like or I couldn't have like thought of something you know nicer myself because this is like this is this person and this is how they live their life and, and they're showing me that and they're kind of letting me into that so I love like the wee moments of just like joy that you can capture in real life so I think like I like mockumentaries for that reason because they actually you're almost like that could be real <laughs> and it's but it's not. So, and with documentaries, you're almost like, that could be fake, but it's not, it's real. <laughs> um, anyway, favourite documentaries. I, God, like so many, but I cannot remember their name. I think there's one called A Letter to Zachary, which is like absolutely devastating feature documentary, but also really compelling. It's such a cliche, but I always loved Blackfish because I thought like the, right. the, like the effect that that had, like mm-hmm. it was so well made, but 
and it did kind of become like you know like all oh, right okay just like the same as like all oh, right you like way through but you know these documentaries like they were pioneering you know like in these documentary makers like they were and they actually did have you know when you see something like that and it actually has that like huge awareness like huge campaign effect like that's incredible for Sama as well I thought was like was brilliant and heart-wrenching uh, yeah I don't, I don't know like I'll, yeah I've watched a lot of I've always just like been really I've always liked kind of like you know TV that's like even formatted kind of like reality and stuff like wife swap and stuff like just being able to like which will be like before your time but just being able to have a look into somebody you know behind the closed door into somebody else's life and and just like find something of your own you know kind of human story in them so yeah basically every documentary ever you've been disingenuous to yourself to be that was a, that was a good answer i totally understood what you meant there as well and that to sort of tie into that question do you have like a favorite documentarian like the like sort of someone that hosts the documentary or makes it themselves that you sort of look up to that's that maybe you would like to work with in the future has had an influence on you anyway well I was just I was just saying it's a cliche but when when I the first you know documentarian that I ever really became aware of was Lou through because he was kind of operating yeah. in the 90s when I was like a child and I remember my mum bought me his like you know autobiography or it was more kind of like a really just like <laughs> a written version of the series but I was obsessed with him, you know, and again, he's become like massive now, global, but at that time, like, actually probably still was, but I don't think he was like massive amongst young no, people. No, I think he, I think Netflix really blew him up, actually. I think when a lot of his older shows went on Netflix, it really sort of seemed to like probably. suddenly. I mean, he used to be on the BBC, but he wasn't like huge, but like I, I'd kind of cottoned on to the Weird Weekend stuff and then I'd read that book and again, mm. it was like me reading something that was kind of too old for me at the time because it was all like you know like death of a prostitute and stuff in it and I'm like 10 like oh my god but like being fascinated by that you know now what I understand is access like wow how did he get so close to those people and tell their story and, and gain that trust and with Louis Theroux I have to say you know I could never be that kind of filmmaker necessarily because I think there's there's points where almost like there is an exploitative element and that you know the, that contributor doesn't always understand that they're going to be portrayed certainly some of the old stuff the way that they, they yeah. ended up being portrayed and um for me I'm far too paranoid that they're going to like hunt me down and kill me <laughs> not that but you know that they're going to that they're going to be disappointed with me because you know yeah. I think it is a, a transaction really the documentary film like you know somebody's giving you their story and in return you're like amplifying their voice but you do have a duty to them to do that as authentically as you can mm. so yeah what was your question again <laughs> you, you answered it very well don't worry honestly it was just your favorite documentarian and it was a great answer listen I'm enjoying these answers like I, I my <laughs> favorite thing about this podcast is when I when I like forget that I'm actually interviewing something I'm just like enjoying the conversation I'm like oh yeah this is actually you know you got it I'm like that's always a nice sign I think so they you know it's good it's great <laughs> Get a real job. But, no, <laughs> Hannah, honestly, like it's it's been great having you on. I've got I've got two more questions, but like I've got so much more things I could probably ask you because you have had quite a like a, a busy career and you've done quite a lot of interesting things. But of course, the name of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job and I love this question because we'd all had to work jobs we don't like. We'd all had to work terrible part-time jobs to fund our creative endeavors over the years. But what's the sort of worst part-time job or quote real job you'd ever had to work to support your art my first job was as a, a kitchen porter and that was definitely my worst because they like they literally used to throw burning pans into the water and like scald your hands and I think I was paid like 270 an hour which I used to pick up in like a little brown envelope like and it'd be like 11 pounds in, in it and that would be like 
my yeah <laughs> bowl of alcohol <laughs> for the weekend um <laughs> started but do you know what like you know I, I was very fortunate that like I always I kind of took the route in of like trying to get a job in media and I sort of managed to like through various kind of connected jobs marketing and corporate videos and things like managed to sustain a career in the media like after I left uni and I think all of those experiences as much as like some of the jobs I ended up on like you know making documentaries about about like putting people on a crash diet and seeing what happened and things like that you know not not things helping to make those documentaries not things that I would want to make myself but learning a lot on them meeting people on them that would end up becoming like beneficial to other projects and just so yeah as much as I've you know I could slag many of the jobs like I think it's all character building isn't it and it's all kind yeah. of and one thing you know that I love doing is working you know with, with mental health charities on campaign work and kind of consultation stuff and I, like I've been told a lot by people in the creative industries like oh you know don't kind of dilute the work that you do and you should really just focus on one industry and people won't kind of understand that stuff on your CV and I think we do need to get like like the industry really just needs to get a lot more flexible to to the type of people and experiences that it kind of welcomes into its folds because like you can you know yeah. coming from like a background where you may not have necessarily had the opportunity to work in the industry or to be supported by your family to work in the industry but you you have experiences that can add so much to a project or you work bloody hard which is all that's really required at the end of the day anyway you know it's like I think there's a snobbishness in the industry so I think that it's very important to you know take people with all of these different part-time experiences in the world of work and and just um and train them in this world of work which is crying out for good people really because we are getting busier in Scotland and it's like we need really good reliable people from all walks of life to make films that relate to everyone so yeah I'm a big proponent for you know more opportunities for people which is an another non-answer to your question <laughs> no it was I honestly like you but what you're saying is so true like you know there is a snobbishness and like growing up in a working class town like me like no one in Glen Ross where I grew up was in tv that wasn't yeah. a thing like I didn't even know what yeah. a script editor was which I'm doing now when I was doing a degree in film I didn't know what that was like that that should not be happening in this industry but it, no, it does, it it's, does. Locked off. it's locked off to, to to a lot of people and I think a lot of people you know often rightly so think well that's not sustainable for me to have that career and it it can be and you know we need to we need to change that because there's actually there's there's real opportunities and sort of all you know even like looking at Outlander and they've got their training yeah. program and stuff and there's this big studio coming like there's real opportunities in the industry to just like skill up a lot of people and keep you know like make Scotland the hub like London doesn't have to be the hub like 100%, for, yeah. for, folks that are, for folks that are talented here but we do need to to create those opportunities and I think that gradually that again that's changing and diversity is getting better and people are waking up to it but it needs to be more than just a tokenistic thing you know 100% I mean, I mean and it's, it's a shame that we keep losing all these talented people down to you know going to London and moving away because we do have we can yeah. have a thriving industry up here so 100% you're yeah. saying stuff that I talk about every week on this podcast and, and if this podcast can even be a remotely a bit of a toolkit for people to understand what their different roles are then you know I'm really happy but you, you'd given yeah. some great advice throughout but like I sort of get on my guest end on like what their closing advice would be to anyone who wants to maybe work in their industry so to anyone who maybe wants to be a documentary filmmaker what would you say to them if they were just starting out what would you 
two things like I think like the the best advice that I was was ever given was by sort of another woman who was she she was in journalism and at that time I really wanted to kind of break into the the journalism industry and she was just talking about how often she was told that you know it wasn't a great career path and you know all the you know there there aren't a lot of jobs and things that she was just kind of always discouraged from the get-go and that that kind of lit a fire in her to be like well no actually like why can't I do it and you know what this interestingly you know like like some people could be like oh that's that's unrealistic and there aren't jobs for everybody but you know really like there's an awful lot of well again I would say it's snobbishness you know people tell like to tell people like or, or like to think that they're the only people that can do those jobs or or you know you can't and I, I just feel like if you're you're starting off and you're not even giving yourself a, a chance and a crack at it then you know you wouldn't make it in the industry anyway because you have to have like you have to be willing to like really give it a try so just like don't be deterred would be the the number one thing <laughs> by you know when people when people say that you can't use that to kind of light a fire under you to sort of show that you can another thing was was a documentary maker that I saw speaking at the documentary festival in Amsterdam which is like one of the biggest in the world he's like kind of one of the godfathers of documentary Iranian filmmaker called Mohsen Maklobath and um, he was talking about like the glasses of cinema and the eyes of cinema like the glasses being the kind of like the technical stuff you can you know like learn like you know how to frame a shot and how to you know edit and compose the music and everything like all of the things that you can do that are sort of cinematic rules but that the eyes of the cinema are are kind of you know what what you bring to the project like your own personal spin or your own personal kind of like magic that you bring and that was the first time I'd sort of he sort of asked us to consider what we bring and that was the first time I'd ever sort of considered like that I sort of you know what everybody always says to me that they they get is like a warmth and a and a a bit of humor and, and that actually just like me being able to have honest relationships with contributors is actually adding so much to my film practice and whereas I would always be obsessed with the fact that like I couldn't shoot really well or I don't really understand the process of narrative and story and I'm trying to get my head around you know like all of these things that I would like beat myself up about and tell myself I couldn't do film like Mm. actually it's like focus on what you're good at and make that your thing and then everything else you learn that's the glasses you just you add that to it you bring it and then you find your own voice so just like yeah find your own eyes basically that's that's great advice though that's fantastic though and it's so true it's all about mindset as well because like you sort of you're sort of so true you get that attitude and you're like you start to go well, I can't do this I can't do this and then if you just focus on what you're good at and what you can do then obviously that's good you know going to lead into to good things for you yeah. as well oh, that's, yeah, that's brilliant well Hannah thank you so much for for speaking thank to you. me this late on a Friday night I really much very much appreciate it that's and um, it's great to finally have you on the podcast I'm gonna walk fast and then get my dinner I'm excited about both these things Well, there you go. That was my conversation with documentary filmmaker Hannah Curry. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording that one. A massive thanks again to Hannah for her time. I really, really enjoyed recording that episode just before Christmas there. It was great to finally have Hannah on the podcast. And be sure to go and watch her documentaries, especially Talent, which is out now on BBC iPlayer. It was on the BBC Scotland channel just on Friday there as well. It's a brilliant documentary, really, really good. And as we said in the episode, you get to see a whole two seconds of my... I was going to say gorgeous face, but I wouldn't go that far. But you get to see two seconds of me wearing a ridiculous t-shirt and a mask. But it's a brilliant documentary and I cannot recommend going to watch it enough. And as always as well, if you'd enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast, be sure to tell other people to listen. If you're enjoying the podcast in general as well, be sure to share it with friends and family. Leave us a five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really, really does help us to be seen by potential new listeners. And as always as well, if you can afford to donate as little as a pound a month to our Patreon page, 
there's a link to that in the show notes. And as always as well, there's also links to Hannah's work and to Talent, the most recent documentary as well. So be sure to check that out. But thank you as always for listening to this podcast and hope you have a lovely, lovely week. And we'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just get a real job.